observe the baptism of Jesus. And we are in the season of Epiphany where we hit some special moments in Scripture and places where this is treated in multiple places in Scripture. And today's message is very much based on the psalm you just heard, Psalm 139, about being fearfully and wonderfully made, but it's also about living into a new life as baptized people. And today's message is in honor of Sue Farrell, uh, a person that many of you don't know, but few of you do remember. And we must never forget that we stand on the shoulders of people who have come before us and who are no longer here. She was someone who died much too young from cancer, and she had a vision of exactly where we are today. And it was her vision, her encouragement, um, her, her faith in the promise of what was to come and the ability of each of us to get there that was so inspirational on our journey. So as we share this story of Jesus' baptism, may we never, ever forget that each one of us can be made new at any point in our lives. Sue would tell you that she wasn't made new again until her 60s, and she lived new for just a short time before she passed away, but that time meant everything to her. So our gospel today is taken from the gospel of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, a passage that was, I think one of Sue's absolute favorites in the entire New Testament. And the gospel writer wrote this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered John, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. It reminds me of what fellow pastors have told me that John protested what Jesus was asking him to do. And when John asked for a reason, Jesus said, because I said so. And then John consented. Read that scripture carefully. And when Jesus, the scripture continues at verse 17, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here ends the reading. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, good morning. A little boy was watching his father, a pastor, write a sermon, and the little boy asked, Dad, how do you know what to say? And the pastor replied, well, son, God tells me what to say. And the boy said, oh, and he, had a, he was a little puzzled. And he asked his father, well, if God tells you what to say in the sermon, Dad, then why do you keep crossing things out? You heard that one before? 
Well, during the course of this next year at St. John's, we will be doing some editing of our own as we traverse together to grow our church into a new generation of faith and practice, focusing on what's essential and letting go of what is not. So our focus today is really on not just the baptism of Jesus, but on Psalm 139. And I invite you, if you would like to turn to that psalm in your Bibles, if you don't know how to find it, someone can show you in the pew. Um, There are red Bibles in your pews, or you can just listen and see what you hear. But in addition to Psalm 139, I get to do one of my absolute favorite things that I don't get to do very often, which is to teach you about pastor's poker okay now you are going to need five playing cards and then there are markers in your pews if you don't have five playing cards and didn't get them when you came in raise your hand steve will bring them to you and if there's not a marker in your pew raise your hand and someone will get one to you this is a participatory sermon we're not very formal so if you don't have the supplies Raise your hand and we'll get them. And the markers you may have to share. God forbid sharing in church, right? So you might have to share. I don't know that there's enough markers for everyone, but, um, but in that case, we will share. But let me put this here for a second. In Psalm 139, verse 14, you heard Jeff read what the psalmist wrote, which is, I praise you, God. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And we are indeed wonderfully made. And today we will explore how we can become all that God means us to be. And we'll examine the five factors in our lives that influence our identity and who we are. How many of you remember Jesus' parable of the talents in the Bible? Some of you know that, that parable. And the parable... It goes this way, in short, Jesus said that the master goes out and gives one person ten talents, another person five talents, and another person just one talent. And then Jesus says, go out and make the most of what I've given you. And so what does that mean for us today? It means that we're not responsible for the talents we weren't given If we can't sing like Amber or play the drums like Aaron, we're not responsible for not being able to do that. You're not being, you're not going to be held accountable for the opportunities that you weren't given in life. If if systemic injustice and oppression kept you from having certain opportunities in life, you won't be held responsible for not being able to participate in those opportunities. But each of us is accountable for what we did with what we were given. So to prepare for today's sermon, I learned about a card game, because I'm not really a card player. I have no poker face. Not just, I don't wear my emotions just on my sleeve. They're all over my face. But I learned about a card game called Five Card Stud Poker. Have you heard about this? It's all right. You can, you can nod your head that you have played <laughs> poker. But in Five Card Stud Poker, you have to play the cards that you're dealt. It's not like go fish, right, where you could trade. You have to play the cards you're dealt. You don't get to mix and match the cards. And you don't get to say, well, I don't like that hand. Just give me a whole new hand. You have to play what you've been dealt. And about five years ago or so, I learned through Sue Farrell, who I mentioned, um, about a metaphor that Pastor Rick Warren 
um, was using with five-card stud poker that it's a metaphor for life. And um, some of you may or may not have heard of Rick Warren. He's the author of The Purpose Driven Life and What on Earth Am I Here For? How many of you have heard of Rick Warren? Written some of the, I mean, his books are some of the most popular books of all time. So I knew that I had to pay attention to what was going on in that process. And I, I want to also state unequivocally that I don't agree with Rick Warren on some key issues. It's why we're in the United Church of Christ and why we teach people about what it means to engage in progressive theology. But I was willing to learn something new. I was willing to learn why so many people were hungering for what he had to offer, which was a simple but not simplistic approach to Scripture and its application to real life. So... I learned that there are some things that you have been dealt in life. You didn't choose them. You didn't choose your parents, for example. You didn't choose when and where you were born, for example. You didn't choose your gender, your race, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, etc. There are a lot of things that make you you that you did not choose. But you have to play the hand that you were dealt. And that is the point of today's sermon. If you remember nothing else, I hope you remember that life is like a hand of poker. You have to play the hand that you were dealt. God isn't going to say at the very end, why didn't you play your hand like your brother did or your sister did or your friend did or anybody else? Because you didn't have the hand that they were dealt. But God expects us to deal and play the hand that we're dealt in life to the best of our ability and to make the most of what each of us was given. So I want to take a look at this approach to life, this metaphor for life, the five cards that each of us have been given. Because if you want to really understand who you are, you have to understand the five factors that make you, you, the wonderfully complex you made by God. So the very first card and you can pull out your first card. The first card, the first factor that makes you, you is chemistry. And you're going to see a slide here that says chemistry. Just, it's okay to write on these cards. That's what I did on mine last night. I made some of my own slides. I'm so proud of myself on my new computer, right? Yay. I know that, I, I you know the tech team is like, oh, thank goodness, finally. But yes, there is, um, number one is chemistry. And you can write that on your card and take that home, and I hope you remember this. Number, the first factor is chemistry. It means your chromosomes, your DNA, your genes, your hormones, your chemical makeup. And at the most biological level, it's your body. It's your, your arms and your leg, legs, your heart, your, your insides. But I'll give you a simple example, which is that some of us have to wear glasses. Something is not quite right with our... Um, eyesight, but that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just is. It's the way we're wired, and some might consider it a flaw, but God made us that way. I mean, all of us have some sort of biological and chemical, what could be called deficiencies, right? For example, I am very short. Not that you've noticed, but I'm short. Nothing that I can do can make me taller, even though I tried when I was a kid. You can't stretch yourself tall. Ever did that as a, as a kid? You try and stretch yourself tall? doesn't work. God made my husband, Gary, very, very tall. He's almost 6'6". And I think Eric Lingefelter is the only person in the congregation, maybe other than a couple of our newer folks, who is a little bit taller than Gary. So one of the very t tallest people I've met. 
and God made my husband, Gary, very tall. And there's nothing right or wrong about that. It's just how we were made. And I, I, you could say that we were kind of custom designed that way, right? It reminds me of the time that I took my daughter, Katie, who's kind of medium, right? She kind of ended up kind of medium. But I took her to buy a new pair of jeans at the American Eagle store. And some of the jeans had intentional flaws in them. They were distressed. And they cost more than the flawless jeans. You see that? They cost more. Like a lot more. And the jeans have a little tag on them that said, these jeans have intentional flaws in them in order to make them unique. Hence, they cost more. And I thought I'd like to put that kind of a tag on every one of you because there is only one of you in this world. And you may have these distressors, these intentional things in your life that make you you. And you might think of them as flaws, but I'm going to tell you, it actually makes you more expensive. So never, ever forget your true value. So your second card, that's your chemistry. Number two is connections. Take a minute and write connections on your card, anywhere on your card. And connections, by this I mean, this is your second card in life. Connections are our relationships in life. You're the product of your relationships, especially your childhood and early relationships. And these relationships may have been good or they may have been bad. They may have been healthy or they may have been unhealthy. These early relationships may have been non-existent or they might have been abusive or somewhere in between. But psychological studies have shown that your identity, how you see yourself, is largely determined by what you think the most important people in your life think about you. Did you know that? That what you think the most important people in your life think about you tends to determine your self-image, your self-esteem, your self-concept. They're your mirrors. And that's why it's so important for so many of us to know that God loves us. Because even if the most important people in our life at particular times were not good mirrors for us and did not affirm us and lift us up, to know that God loves us unconditionally can make all the difference in the world. You know, the Bible tells us that one day Jesus was walking down the road and a man comes up, I think it was a lawyer, who said, Lord, what is life all about? And Jesus replies that life is all about love. It's not about accomplishment. It's not about acquisition. It's not about popularity or power or prestige. It's about love. It's about relationships. And Jesus said, you can summarize all of life in two sentences. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And that's the essence of what the great commandment is all about. That's love. That's connections. Now, there's a third card. There's a third card, because we're not done yet. The third card that makes you, you and me, me, are number three, circumstances. So take a minute and take your card and write circumstances on it and share your pens if you need to. These are the things that happen to you. These are the things that happen around you. And none of these things are within your control. These kind of things also help to shape your identity. Things like the Vietnam War, continued conflict in Iraq and Iran, 9-11, things that happen in and around you, things that happened in your home life, things that happened in your community life. 
You are a product of the trauma and troubles in your life. We are all a product of the suffering and the shame and the shock and the stress. Problems that shape our lives and pressures that shape our lives. Pain that shapes our lives. But these circumstances are part of what makes each of us fearfully made and wonderfully complex. Each of you has experienced circumstances that I haven't experienced. They're part of what make you, you. Then we move to the fourth card, number four. And you can, um, I did mine sideways just for fun. Number four is consciousness. And I'm going to explain this a little bit, but the word is, is very potent. Number four is consciousness. And consciousness is really how we talk to ourselves and how we think about ourselves. It's about our internal thoughts. And our consciousness influences our identity. These things that you say to yourself, your internal habitual thoughts become your identity. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Stated differently, your thoughts create your destiny. Did you know that? Your thoughts create your destiny. So if you want your life to go in a different direction, you first must direct your thoughts in a different direction. So that's where we are so far. We've got chemistry, connections, circumstances, consciousness, and then we get to number five, the fifth card that makes you, you, and me, me is number five, choices. So take a minute and write choices on your card. Now, I maybe should have had a joker for this card. I picked a queen just because I could. That's choices. Now, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God. And I thought about that as I was preparing this sermon. Because no other animals, it says in the Bible, are created in the image of God. Rabbits are not created in the image of God. Cats, as much as I love them, are not created in the image of dog or image of God. And neither are dogs, even though dog is God spelled backwards. And so a lot of you like, anyway, that's another sermon. (laughs) But only human beings are created in the image of God. And what does this mean for those of us who struggle with that? And it means that each of us has free will. We each have free moral choice. You know, rabbits, you might not know this, rabbits cannot make moral choices. They have instincts, but they can't make moral choices. They don't necessarily know, to the extent that we know, the difference between right and wrong. They just know survival or extinction. That's right and wrong is different than than survival or death. But we have the ability to choose as human beings. So this freedom of choice, this choices card, it's why I picked something, not the joker, but a queen. I was like, well, if I can choose, I'm going to pick queen, right? My daughter grew up wearing a tiara half the time. So why not pick that, right? She's laughing at me. She's going back to college today. She's like, mom, you're killing me. I'm making up for lost time. So this choices is the wild card. And this card, now I really should have a joker here because how many of you know what a, what does the wild card do? In, and it's okay to admit you play cards in church. Tell me what a wild card can do when you're playing cards. It can be anything, right? It can change the number. It can change what's called the suit. It can change, it can, can, it can become a heart, a diamond, a club, an ace. 
It can become any number. So choices. It's a wild card. And that's good news. Because we are given choice and free will by God, and we can use that wild card to change what we're able to change in our lives. So there are really kind of five winning choices that you can make with these cards that you've been dealt. And I want to touch on those for just a minute today so that you'll have the tools that you need when you leave the sanctuary to examine the hand that you have been dealt and determine how you want to play the cards that God has given you in life. So let's go back to a minute. Do you all have your five cards? Hold up your five cards if you've got them and marked them. Okay, number one, chemistry. So if we apply the choices to chemistry... For example, a quick and easy one in the new year is I can choose to get healthier. Do you know how many of you I've seen on social media post what you're doing to get healthier in the new year? I think that's great. So you can choose with, there are some things I can't change. I can't stretch myself tall, but I can choose to get healthier. I can choose to eat better and exercise and work on lowering stress levels and go to the dentist, etc., But each of us is called to do the best we can with what we have been given physically. You may not know that. Our second card, connections. If we were to apply some choice to that, apply a wild card to that, we can choose to deepen and improve our relationships. And that is an intentional choice to make relationships better. I can learn some better communication skills. I can learn a new computer and new ways to do social media and And text stuff, everyone's laughing because that's not always easy for me, but I can do it. I can build new and healthy relationships and replace bad and unhealthy relationships. I can reach out. I can risk connecting. And if in any way I I experience fear, which many of us do when it comes to relationships and improving or letting go of or grabbing hold of relationships... I'm reminded of 1 John 4, verse 18, that there is no fear in love. You know, there's no fear in love, right? Perfect love casts out fear. That's a short, that's just another short little mini sermon there. Because where do we learn, many of us, these healthy connections? Because not everyone learns it in their family. Not everyone learns it through school or work. Where do we learn healthy connections if we've been set adrift in the world? And I'll tell you, it's in the church. The church was designed to be the laboratory for love and community. Did you know that? The church was originally designed to be the laboratory for love and community. That's how we learn to love each other. No matter our family of origin, our last name, our family status, how much money we have or don't have, where we live, what our zip code was, our ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The church was designed to be a laboratory for love. Now, the problem is it is hard to love a crowd, and that's why the small groups, the lunch groups, the dinner groups. Raise your hand if you hosted a dinner in the last couple of days. For Yeah, several of you hosted or attended dinners in the last couple of days. Our Wednesday night group, which everyone is invited to come to at 6 o'clock Wednesdays, they passed out your cards today. Raise your hand if you're in the gospel choir, the new gospel choir. Come and sing in the gospel choir. You don't even have to sing. You know, talk to someone like Rita who didn't, hadn't sung before and came to gospel choir and now she is a solid tenor, right? There are lots of ways to connect the largest table. How many of you volunteer or participate in the largest table, support the largest table on Wednesdays? 
There are lots of different ways. And I'm not even, that's just a smidgen of the small groups that we have. But it is a way to get involved and to learn how to love in community anew. So let me move to the third choice, our circumstances. Go to your third card, circumstances. You know what? We can't always pick our circumstances, but we can choose who to trust. And I'm going to encourage you to trust God, no matter your circumstances. Because God gives us an identity that no one else can. I like the um, translation in the message written by Eugene Peterson. He kind of updated the Bible in certain ways and wrote it in common language. And for Romans chapter 8, verses 27 through 29, he translated it this way. He said, God knows us far better than we know ourselves. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Basically, everything in our lives can be worked into something good by God. God wants to use every circumstance in my life and in your life for good. So when we begin to trust God, no matter our circumstances, we come to realize that we may be a product of our past, but we're not a prisoner of it. So I hope you take that home too. You can be a product of your past, but you're not a prisoner of it. We can become new and different. That's what the baptism message was about today. So our, for our fourth card, consciousness. How can we choose our consciousness? And that actually is simpler than you think. You can choose what to think about. Now, I've had pastors, especially female pastors, we worry if we're sensitive about what people say or think about us. But you know what? I can't choose that. And I hopefully have raised my daughter in that way, that we cannot choose what other people say or think about Um, us. We can't always choose what they say to us, but I can choose what I allow in my mind and my spirit, and I can choose how I respond. Now, I'm going to share a little bit more with you about this because some of you here sitting here today are experts on brain science. And there was a scientist who won the 2002 Nobel Prize in neurobiology for proving that you can rewire the adult brain. Did you know that? That you can rewire the adult brain, which in earlier years was thought impossible. We heard that 25-year-old cut off that after 25, that's it. You can't rewire the adult brain. But it's proven science that no matter your age, you can change your brain. It's because the brain is elastic. It is not concrete. So think about it that way. It's an organ. It's elastic. It's not concrete. And your brain can change and it can be rewired regardless of what's happened in your past. You may need help doing that. So I don't want to say that's easy or simple or you can do it on your own. You might need help doing that, but it is possible. And that is hopeful news because it means that we don't have to be enslaved to what's happened in our past. We really can change and have a new future. You know, it seems to me when I was reading all of this that science has finally caught up with the Bible. Because do you remember a couple of thousand years ago in Romans 12 when the Apostle Paul talked about not being conformed to this world but being transformed by the renewing of our minds? That that really was important. He was saying don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, the habits and pattern of thinking, but let God transform you. Let God change your mind and change your brain, and change your outlook. And I'll share a little bit more about this, that transform in Greek is about metamorphosis. 
It's the Greek word for metamorphosis. And you think about the cocoon becoming a butterfly, again, a very simple example. So let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, because it is possible. And there's, again, more I can say about this, but I'll just offer to you. There's actually a new book that that's, talks about, it's called Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. Anybody heard of that book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life? That's where we have to start. But we can rewire our outlook on life by choosing what we think about or not think about, and our renewed thoughts can lead to a new destiny in life. Now, I'm going to move to the fifth card, the wild card, which is about choices. And that is because it's a sermon, I'm going to say that you can choose to have a life of faith. And that's the wild card that each of us have been given. Now, some will say in more um, evangelical conservative circles and even in our more liturgical traditions, some will say in so many words that that equates to we choose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. How many of you have heard that language? Some of us are really going to bristle at that language. That's not language that works for us. And it, we will not think that language is broad enough to cover our understanding about God. But I'm here to tell you that here at St. John's, we're a big tent church. Not a big ten church, but we're, although we like OSU, we're a big tent church. Our theological tent is large enough to let you explore what your faith means to you and what your relationship means to you. But I do encourage you to think about this because if we rely only on our own willpower in life, have you heard about this? We're all going to fail. Our own willpower is often not enough to make some of these changes that I've just talked about here in a few minutes in the sermon. But when we rely on God and even the example of God's son, Jesus, whom we follow, that gives us a power that is not our own. And it gives us an opportunity to move forward in ways that maybe we never even imagined. But I've given you this teaching sermon today. You've been, we've talked about five cards. We've talked about applying choice to the five cards. But I do have today an ace up my sleeve. All right? Because you're all sitting here going, okay, thanks. That's great. What do I do with this now, right? I have an ace up my sleeve a wild card of my own to share with you. And um, it comes about because when Rick Warren went on Oprah to discuss these themes, something very special happened. And it's about a person who epitomizes today's message like no one else, actually no one else on earth. The message that no matter what, you have to play the hand you are dealt to the very best of your ability. Each of us is called to do that. And if you feel like you've been dealt a bad hand in life, if something is holding you back today, I invite you to pay very close attention to the video that we're going to, change, that we're going to play in just a minute. And I'm going to give you a warning that this video is challenging. You might find it quite unsettling, even shocking. But the video is life-changing. And I hope that you will never, ever forget it. 
Because the Bible says that when someone becomes a Christian, they become a brand new person inside. It's what the kids saw in the Holy Moly video. They're not the same anymore, and a new life has begun. It's like we talk about being born again, but it's really about starting over. It's about finding a new way forward. Sometimes, moment by moment, choice by choice, day by day, sometimes doing the next thing means just doing the next right thing, and then the next right thing, and then the next right thing, right? And ultimately, when you begin to process and progress in your life in that way, you have the possibility to receive an entirely new identity. And all of those things that you think that you're waiting on God for, right? How many of us are waiting for God? Come on, God. We've all been guilty of that, right? How many of us are waiting for God when what God is saying to us is, I am waiting on you to use the wild card I've already given you, our free will, our choice. Because you can't control your chemistry. You can't control your early connections. You can't control many of your circumstances in life. You can't control your initial consciousness, but you can choose through your God-given free will to change your life. You can turn whatever hand you've been dealt into a winning hand because it is never, ever too late to start over. Did you know that? It is, I don't care what age or where you are in life, it is never, ever too late to start over because God has already given you a winning hand. And it's time to start playing those cards. And it's time to start living the life that you were meant to live because the best of your life is truly the rest of your life starting today. Let me just say to all of you on Facebook right now, to everybody who has a complaint, on the tip of your tongue, I want you just to shut your mouth and watch this tape because Pastor Rick had one request for tonight's show to include a man who he says is one of the best examples of winning the hand you're dealt. This is going to shut your mouth. It's going to shut your mouth. Just close it right now. Take a look at this. Born in Australia without arms or legs, 30-year-old Nick Vujicic has become a symbol of triumph against all odds. His inspiring YouTube videos have been watched over 100 million times. It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. But the road to self-acceptance was excruciating for Nick. For years, he was harassed and tormented at school. When he was 10, Nick attempted suicide. After years of feeling worthless and alone, Nick's awakening came while reading an article about a disabled man who refused to let physical limitations hold him back. In that moment, Nick says he discovered the power to take control of his life, and he has. Today, Nick surfs, he snorkels, he golfs, and plays soccer. He's traveled to 44 countries with his message of hope. Even the worst part of your life can come together for the good. And less than a year ago, Nick married the love of his life and danced at their wedding. Nick's in our audience tonight. Say hello to Nick. We're standing up for Nick. Now, this is what's so unbelievable. As you've heard, people complain about the spots on their face and people complain about not having a boyfriend and not being able to have the mates of their life. What happened to you that you were able to take all of your, take your chemistry, 
being born with no arms and no legs. Take your connections, your relationships, your life circumstances, mm -hmm. your state of consciousness, and then choose, make the conscious choice yeah. that you were going to take all of that which the rest of the world looks at, you know, undeniably as a pretty bad hand, and that you were going to turn it into something, you were going to be exalted by it. What, what happened to you that you were able to do that? Oprah, I know that you love to think out of the box and have things outside of the box on your yes. show. Yeah. And I know that you love illustrations. So if I may illustrate in about 180 seconds, can I do something a little crazy, but it'll sure. be powerful. Go Is that right cool? Ahead. You got a camera behind me, right? Yeah. I'm going to show you. Come, come, come. The this step right here. Is there enough light here? Okay. The chemistry. I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that God didn't give me this pain. But what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Man, the connections. I want to tell uh, Porsche. Uh, look, I'm a guy. I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris, okay? And... and I uh, want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. Yeah. For me, in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not going to get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I going to have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm going to break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right. I'm going to break my arm. Circumstances. Being born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. You asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best and God will do the rest. Then consciousness. Because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, I knew that I could be unstoppable. Let us pray. If you're here today, raise your arms. Let's do a let's do a body prayer. Raise your arms. Stand up on your legs. If you have arms and legs and can see and hear and can move about, I'm going to challenge you to play the hand that you've been dealt. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anyone tell you that you are less than wonderfully and fearfully made, unique in the eyes of God, and every single one of you is needed to make this world a better place. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated.